There were two more murders 15 miles when away. We arrived, we found the
A task force was, of course, formed to try and bring down this group of murderers, and they used the Z police radio frequency to speak to one another, therefore finally giving this group of perpetrators and victims their names, the Zebra Murders. This task force, while eventually successful, did go on to make some mistakes that make many question their morality. The killings resumed on January 29, 1974, with six more shootings. Tana Smith, 32, Vincent Wolin, 69, John Bambick, 84, and Jane Holly, 45, all perished, while Roxanne McMillan, 23, survived but remained in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And Thomas Bates, whose attack was not initially thought to be connected to the zebra murders, survived. This very quick spike in their victims left everyone to panic. The city itself suffered great losses financially, and the tourist traffic dropped dramatically. No one felt safe enough to leave their homes, let alone vacation there. Even North Beach, a neighborhood known for seven nights a week of nightlife, was eerily silent. And with that came police desperation. A very generic sketch of some of the killers was released, and almost every black man living in the area was brought in for questioning. Once their alibis were checked out, they received a zebra check card that they could show to the next officer who tried to question them, showing that they had already been checked out and cleared. Over 500 black men were brought in during the first weekend of these checks. This, understandably, didn't go over well amongst the community. But Dr. Washington Garner, the first black member of the police commission, pleaded with citizens to understand the unprecedented circumstances. The zebra check was considered racist and unproductive, and the NAACP and the ACLU both filed a lawsuit. It was ruled that the widespread profiling of black men was unconstitutional, imagine that, and the checks were suspended. With no new leads, the zebra murders continued. On April 1st, 1974, two Salvation Army cadets were gunned down. Thomas Rainwater, 19, died, while Linda Story, 21, survived. Thirteen days later, Ward Anderson, a merchant seaman, and Terry White, just 15 years old, were both shot at while they stood at a bus stop. And two days later, on Easter Sunday, the 23-year-old son of a wealthy executive, Nelson T. Shields, became the last victim of the zebra murders when he was shot while opening the back of his station wagon. It was after Nelson's murder that a $30,000 reward seemed to create a break in the case. Anthony Harris, an employee at Black Self-Help Moving and Storage, called the police a week after those sketches were released. He said he would meet up with them to discuss the case, because he was one of the men in the drawings. He gave police details on several of the attacks that were never made public, like the level of dismemberment some of the victims had gone through, and even gave a tip that the John Doe had not been connected to the other victims. But he made it clear that while he was at almost all of the murders, he did not actually participate. He provided the names, dates, addresses, and details of this group of black Muslim serial killers, enough for a warrant, all in exchange for immunity and new identities for himself, his girlfriend, and their child. The deal was made, and on May 1st, 1974, police began raids on the homes of Larry Craig Green, JCX Simon, Manuel Moore, Jesse Lee Cooks, and several accomplices. Of the seven arrested, four were released due to lack of evidence. 
The trial began on March 3, 1975, and would soon become the longest criminal trial in California history. There were 108 witnesses, 8,000 pages of transcript, and 18 hours of deliberation that helped convict Larry Green, JCX Simon, Manuel Moore, and Jesse Lee Cooks, and sentenced them to life imprisonment. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.